0: Book One, Chapter Seven of Henrietta, Volume One, by Charlotte Lennox. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Book One, Chapter Seven, in which Henrietta relates the story of her parents, introductory to her own. It is no wonder, my dear Miss Woodby, that at these early years i am precipitated into distresses and dangers my very birth was a misfortune to my parents and entailed upon them those miseries which began by their unhappy passion my father was the youngest of three brothers but so great a favourite of his father the earl of blank that it was thought he would make his fortune very considerable having a very large estate and a very lucrative employment out of which he every year laid by large sums to provide for his younger sons of whom my father as i have already said was the best beloved it happened one day that the widow of an officer in the army came to solicit the earl's interest towards getting her a pension she was accompanied by her daughter a young woman about sixteen years of age and who must at the time have been exquisitely handsome since after a long series of troubles and in an age more advanced she appeared to me one of the most beautiful women in the world the widow by a certain method of persuasion which operates powerfully on the domestics of men in place got her petition sent up to the earl it imported that her husband after having served nearly fifty years in the army had obtained leave to fell his commission for the benefit of his wife and child that the money arising from it had been deposited in the hands of an agent who had broke a few months afterwards by which unhappy accident all the money was lost and this loss had so greatly affected the old gentleman that he died a few weeks afterwards leaving his wife and child wholly unprovided for and made wretched by those very means that were calculated to secure them a genteel subsistence since by the sale of her husband's commission The widow was no longer entitled to a pension, which, however, she hoped to obtain, in consideration of his long services and the peculiar circumstances of her misfortune. The widow, who knew it was in this nobleman's power to put her immediately upon the list of pensions, conceived great hopes of the success of her application when, after waiting two hours in the hall, she was ordered to attend his lordship in his library. The nobleman received her with civility enough but his first words destroyed those expectations with which she had flattered herself i am sorry it is not in my power to do you any service said he your husband sold out therefore you have no right to the pension i pity your misfortune but in this case there is nothing to be done the widow was a woman of sense and breeding she was sensible that the earl paid no regard to her plea otherwise he would not have urged that as an argument against granting her petition, without which no petition would have been necessary. Entreaties she found would be fruitless. Therefore she would not descend to the meanness of a suppliant, but curtsied in silent anguish, and withdrew. The Earl's youngest son who was present at this scene, and who had beheld the decent sorrow of the mother with reverence, the innocent beauty of the daughter with tender admiration, impelled by an emotion which yet he knew not the cause of, hastily followed them and offered his hand to the widow to lead her downstairs she who from a natural dignity of sentiment had been unable to endure the supercilious behaviour of the father without betraying any signs of discomposure burst into tears at this instance of unexpected attention and respect in the son mr courtney as he led her downstairs had his eyes incessantly turned towards the young lady who followed blushing to see herself so earnestly beheld he found they had not a coach waiting for them he ordered a servant to call one and in the meantime desired they would walk into a parlour where he took occasion to express his concern to the widow for the disappointment she had met with but assured her that he would employ his good offices in her favour and from the influence he had over his father he said he hoped he should succeed he then desired to know where he might wait upon her in case he had any good news to bring her the widow charmed with his politeness astonished at his kindness and full of hope and pleasing expectation gave him a direction in writing which she had brought with her mr courtenay received it bowing low as if she had conferred a favor on him a favor it was indeed for by this time he was lost in love for the charming daughter whose looks discovered such soft sensibility of her situation "'such conscious dignity, which misfortune could not impair, "'such calm resignation, as if superior to her woes, "'that her beauty seemed her least perfection, "'and he was more captivated by the graces of her mind "'that shone out in her person than with her lovely person itself. "'The coach was now come. "'He sighed when he took leave of them, "'riveting his eyes on the young charmer, "'who modestly looked down, unable to bear his ardent glances.' again he assured the widow of his services and suddenly recollecting himself he put a purse into her hand begging her to accept that trifle as an earnest of his friendship the lady was so much surprised at his behaviour that she was at a loss in what manner to answer him and before she could form any she found herself in the coach to which he had accompanied her with great respect when the coach drove from the door she examined the contents of the purse and found five-and-twenty guineas in it a present which if it had been less would have mortified her pride and being so considerable alarmed her prudence she recollected every circumstance of the young gentleman's behaviour and all contributed to persuade her that he was actuated by some motive more forcible than mere compassion she remembered that she had caught him gazing earnestly at her daughter she reproached herself for taking her with her for accepting the money for giving a direction she dreaded the consequence of having exposed her child to the attempts of a young man formed to please and by his rank and fortune enabled to pursue every method that could gratify his passions she began now to be solicitous about the effect such uncommon generosity had on the mind of her daughter she asked her what she thought of the gentleman who so kindly interested himself in their affairs notwithstanding the cruel denial his father had given miss whose gratitude had with difficulty been restrained from rising from her heart to her tongue eagerly seized this opportunity to praise their benefactor her expressions were so lively she showed so tender a sensibility of his kindness such a blushing approbation of his person and manners that the good widow thought proper to check her vivacity by a little reproof and attributed all the respect he had shown them to his natural politeness and his offers of service and the present he had forced on her to a sudden sally of compassion which young unexperienced persons are liable to however her apprehensions were now increased and when mr courtenay came to see her in consequence of his promise which was two days afterwards she had already taken her resolution she took care that her daughter should not be in the way when he sent up his names and notwithstanding the politeness with which he accosted her she observed that he was disappointed and that his eyes involuntarily sought out an object which he more wished to see than her i don't know whether these little particulars may not seem tedious to you my dear miss Woodby, but i have often heard my mother repeat them with delight declaring that these first tokens of my father's affection for her made so deep an impression on her heart fluctuating as it then was between hope and fear that she ever retained the most lively remembrance of them and could never relate them without feeling in some degree the same pleasing emotions with which she was at the time agitated mr courtney began the conversation with assuring the widow that he had been mindful of her affairs that his solicitations had not yet indeed had the desired effect but that he hoped shortly to bring her better news the widow thanked him with great politeness for his kind interposition in her favour which she declared would always have a claim to her sincerest gratitude whether he succeeded or not in his applications she then drew the purse out of her pocket and putting it respectfully into his hands told him that not being in any immediate necessity she begged he would not take it ill if she declined accepting a present which would lay her under an unreturnable obligation mr courtney blushed with surprise and disappointment but the dignity with which she looked and spoke making it impossible for him to press her any farther he received the money back again with a low bow apologising at the same time for the liberty he had taken. The widow, seeing him disconcerted, politely recommended her interest to him, and Mr. Courtney, charmed that she would allow him to be her friend on any terms, retired with a promise that he would take as much care of them as of his own. This interview, continued Henrietta, confirmed the widow in her suspicions that her daughter was not indifferent to their new benefactor, he had observed her scrupulous reserve with regard to the young beauty and hoped to remove it by effecting a total neglect of her so that he did not even enquire how she did whatever is done with design is always overdone the widow was persuaded that a man of mr courtney's good breeding would not have passed over one of the most common forms of politeness but to answer some secret purpose her vigilance increased in proportion to her fears and although he made her several visits under pretence of enquiring more minutely into the circumstances of her case yet he never was so fortunate as to find her daughter with her this conduct while it stimulated his passion gave him a high opinion of the virtue and prudence of her who in such unhappy circumstances showed such extreme attention to the honour and reputation of her child hitherto he had not been at the trouble to examine his own views and designs upon this young beauty hurried away by the violence of his passion he had assiduously sought opportunities of seeing and conversing with her but the difficulties he met with made him look into his own heart that he might know if he was still sufficient master of it to give over a pursuit which was likely to prove fruitless amazed to find that what he took for a transient inclination was a passion immovably fixed that he had formed the resolutions when he believed he had only entertained desires that the whole happiness and misery of his life was in the power of a young woman destitute of friends fortune hopes and expectations and rich only in beauty and virtue for virtuous he was sure she must be under the care of so wise and prudent a mother he was alarmed at his own condition dreaded the consequences of a passion so placed as that it could never procure the sanction of his father's consent, and resolved to expose himself no more to the danger of seeing her. However, he did not fail to solicit his father very earnestly, in behalf of the unfortunate widow. The Earl, who had taken notice of his officious respect, the day she was introduced to him, and attributed it rather to the beauty of the daughter, than any sentiment of compassion, began to be uneasy, at his so frequently pressing him on the subject, and forbade him to mention it any more mr courtney was obliged to be silent lest he should confirm those suspicions which he saw his father had conceived and finding his mind in a very uneasy state he hoped that by removing himself to a greater distance from the objects he loved he should remove the thoughts of her likewise he obtained his father's consent to his retiring for a few weeks to their seat in the country under pretence of a slight indisposition but he could not resolve to go without endeavouring once more to force a present upon the widow, which might prevent her being exposed to any distress during his absence. He therefore wrote to her, and, acquainting her with the ill success of his mediation with his father, expressed the highest concern for it, and assured her that nothing could alleviate it but her acceptance of the bank-note which he enclosed, and which was for fifty pounds. He told her he was going into the country, that she might not suppose he had any design of inducing her by such a present to admit his visits, and concluded with as luring her that she might at all times command his services and rely on his friendship. He did not send away this letter till he was ready to take horse, and being now more composed from the belief that he had silenced the scruples of this good woman and secured her and her lovely daughter from any immediate necessity, he pursued his journey, full of pleasing reflections on the disinterestedness of his love. End of Book One, Chapter Seven